Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. You have to remember that there's no nation that's exempt from judgment. And you can't go on indefinitely resisting God, mocking God, turning away from the Lord, denying the Lord, doing everything that he said not to do. Nobody can go on indefinitely doing that. There comes a time for a judgment to take place. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Jeremiah chapters 7 through 10. Now here's Pastor Brian. Do not break your covenant with us. Are there any among the idols of the nations that can cause rain? Or can the heavens give showers? Are you not he, O Lord our God? Therefore we will wait for you since you have made all these things. Now, notice Jeremiah is speaking in the plural. Remember, at this time, there is a remnant in the nation because of the renewal that took place through Josiah. So there are some that have renewed themselves in the covenant. So Jeremiah is, he's part of that, that remnant. So he's praying for himself and for that group. And so that's why he says we, and that's why he says us. And they've repented, they've turned to the Lord. And so he's hoping that this will be enough to avert the final judgment. But listen to the Lord's response to him. Then the Lord said to me, even if Moses and Samuel stood before me, my mind would not be favorable toward this people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. Wow. Boy, you think of Moses and Samuel who both interceded for the people and God spared the people. I mean, Moses at least, what, three, four, five times as you go through the stories in Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, you have all of these moments where the Lord is about to to bring a judgment and Moses goes, he falls on his face before the Lord, he pleads to the Lord, he asks God to have mercy and the Lord turns away his judgment. And then we see Samuel has similar experience. But the Lord says, even if, if Moses and Samuel were pleading before me, I wouldn't turn back. Because... Again, what's happened is there's been an outpouring of the Spirit in a sense, but most people have rejected it. And when you go back into Kings or you go back in Chronicles and you read about the reforms of Josiah, and Josiah was amazing and what he did was amazing, but you also read there in those stories how people mocked Josiah how he went and he told everybody we're going to have a Passover and he wanted everybody in the land to come to the Passover and they mocked him and they ridiculed him and they made fun of him. And so, you know, the people have, their their hearts have just gone so away from the Lord that they're basically at a, um, it's the point of no return. They've crossed the point of no return. That's what's happened here. And so... Even though Jeremiah is 
pleading for them, the Lord says, if it were Moses or Samuel, I wouldn't listen to them. And then he says, and it shall be, if they say to you, where should we go? He says, I'm going to cast them out of my sight. So let them go forth. And they say to you, Jeremiah, where shall we go? Then you shall tell them, thus says the Lord, such as are for death to death, such as are for the sword to the sword, such as are for the famine to famine, and such as are for the captivity to the captivity. So this is one of those times where, it, again, the, the line has been crossed. And he goes on and he says, and I will appoint over them four forms of destruction, says the Lord, the sword to slay, the dogs to drag, the birds of the heaven, and the beast of the earth to devour and to destroy. And now listen to verse four. I will hand them over to trouble to all kingdoms of the earth because of Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, for what he did in Jerusalem. So, okay, remember we talked about Manasseh before. Manasseh was, he reigned the longest. He reigned 55 years. He was the son of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was one of the better kings. He was actually a, a very good king in most ways. And yet his son Manasseh, he went into wickedness deeper than any other king of Judah. And he took the people into the depths of idolatry and sin, human sacrifice, all all of these things. But God chastened him by having him defeated by the Assyrian king and led away captive to Assyria. And it says that the king of Assyria put hooks in the nose of Manasseh and carried him off to prison. And it was there in that, that time of chastening that Manasseh came to his senses and he repented. And the Lord had mercy on him. And the Lord acknowledged he's humbled himself and he's prayed. So God had mercy on him. He was released from his captivity. He was sent back to Judah. And when he came back, he tried to undo everything that he did, but he couldn't undo it. He made some surface reforms. His heart was changed. But the people, he under his direction and lead, remember he reigned for 55 years. I mean, could you imagine somebody, 55 years? We think like four years, man. I was like, got four years. We got to get rid of this guy. It's been four years. But what if you had somebody who was reigning for 55 years? Well, that's how long, and he was 55 years of wickedness. So just think about how entrenched that evil became in, in Judah during his reign. So it was, a, it was an irreversible situation, even though he himself repented, and even though Josiah was a good king and brought many wonderful things, it just scratched the surface. And, you know, I think we should think about, you know, we, we have to think at a certain point when we look at these things, we have to think about our own nation. We have to think about the world that we live in. And we have to remember that there's no nation that's exempt from judgment. And, and there's, you can't go on indefinitely 
resisting God, mocking God, turning away from the Lord, denying the Lord, doing everything that he said not to do. Nobody can go on indefinitely doing that. There comes a time for a judgment to take place. And, and that happens with nations. It's happened all throughout history. You know, think of, think of the nations that were, once were. We can look back and we can think of many great nations. I mean, even into the most, you know, recent time, you think of like the British Empire. It was this great, expansive empire. But what is it today? What's happened? Well, it's just become very insignificant. And whatever empire you want to think about, we can think about them in the past tense. They were powerful, but what happened? They all crumbled. They all fell apart. They all lost their power. And the American empire is no different than any previous empire. And as a nation, we can't fool ourselves into thinking that we, we are somehow exempt from a judgment. And I think as we look around us, we have to, to some degree, we have to recognize there's a judgment that's coming on the land. How do you even explain a lot of these things apart from that? And yet, it doesn't seem like anybody's paying any attention to it, really. You know, people are going about their business. Legislators are still legislating their wicked laws and plans and we're going to drop the age of consent so we can have sex with younger people and we're going to do this you know we're going to put the trans people the trans women we're going to put them in with the women in the jails and you know we're just going to keep doing all the crazy stuff that we've been doing never batting an eye never thinking anything never you know our state's burning down every year and anybody suggests like maybe this is a judgment oh you're crazy you're out of your mind this has nothing to do with the judgment and and that's just the way things go and go but then the judgment comes i i don't know if we're in a judgment but i don't know that we're not either and, you know, another, another aspect of judgment is poor leaders. God judges nations by giving them foolish leaders. And so when we, when we think about that, you know, you think about our executive branch, or you think about our judicial branch, or you think about our, you know, the Congress, you think about all of that stuff, and you think about the almost 400 million people that are in this country. And then you look at, well, how did these, how are these people in control of these things? And how could they make these kind of policies? And who in the world thinks that this is even a remotely good idea? And you wonder, like, how did all of this happen? God withdraws. Romans chapter one is very clear that one of the ways God judges is he turns people over to the dictates of their own heart. He turns them over to the dictates of their own heart. They do what's right in their own eyes. And that always itself is a judgment. There's a built-in judgment in that. And so this is what's happening in Judah. Now, um, in the 15th chapter here, we see the, the certainty of Judah's doom, the irreversible verdict. We see that with um, Manasseh. And now, in the final portion here, 
this is where we really see Jeremiah's dejection and we see his temporary lapse of faith. And we see the promise of God. So look at what Jeremiah now says in verse 10. We're going to pick up in verse 10. Woe is me, my mother, that you have borne me a man of strife and a man of contention to the whole earth. I have neither lent for interest nor have men lent to me for interest. Every one of them curses me. So in other words, he's not cheated anybody. That's what he's saying. But he's a man of strife and contention to the whole earth. The Lord said, surely it will be well with your remnant. Surely I will cause the enemy to intercede with you in the time of adversity, in the time of affliction. Can anyone break iron, the northern iron and the bronze? Your wealth and your treasures I will give as plunder without price because all your sins throughout your territories I will make you cross over with your enemies into a land which you do not know for a fire is kindled in my anger, which shall burn upon you. So the first part there, there's a promise to the remnant. So it will be well with you. The enemy will intercede with you. So God promises for that, that believing remnant that even when the Babylonians come, they will be merciful to them, but not to the rest of the nation. And so verse 15, O Lord, you know, Remember me and visit me and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. In your enduring patience, do not take me away. Know that for your sake, I have suffered rebuke. Your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I did not sit in the assembly of mockers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because your hand, because of your hand, for you filled me with indignation. So Jeremiah is he's pleading his case here. He's saying, look, you know, I found, I found your word. I delighted in it. I separated myself from the mockers. I, I received persecution and so forth because of you. But now, verse 18, he says, why is my pain perpetual and my wound incurable, which refuses to be healed? Will you surely be to me like an unreliable stream as waters that fail? So here we see Jeremiah, the reality of his suffering has brought him to a place of doubting God's way. And so remember, the Lord had said, Jeremiah spoke these words to the people that God was the fountain of living water. And look what Jeremiah is saying. Will you surely be like an unreliable stream to me? Like waters that fail? So here's the low point for Jeremiah. Jeremiah, the prophet, God's man, is at a place. He's teetering on despair because of his circumstances. And so again, we see, we see the humanity. I mean, sometimes when we read through the books of the Bible, we can miss some of this stuff. I mean, sometimes it's hard to decipher. <laughs> you know, quite honestly, sometimes it's hard to decipher what's being said, who's saying it, and what the context is. But, but once we, you know, really get in and figure it out, it's like, wow, 
you know, here, here's a person who was God's prophet and he's dejected and he is, he's so discouraged. He's, right now he's wondering, is God really gonna be faithful? Lord, are you gonna fail me like, like everything else that's going on around me? And look what the Lord says. Thus says the Lord, if you return, if you return. So there's an indication here that Jeremiah has kind of disengaged in his heart. And he's, he's gonna talk about that again a little bit later. He's gonna tell how he has this thing where he says to the Lord, I'm done. I am not speaking your word any longer. I've had it. And then he'll describe what happened that changed that. But this is, this is a low point for him. So the Lord says, if you return, then I will bring you back. And you shall stand before me if you take out the precious from the vial. And taking out the precious from the vial in this context is probably a reference to Jeremiah, don't say things like, are you going to be a failing stream to me? <laughs> that's, what, that's what everybody else has said. But the precious is the promises, holding on to the promises. You shall be as my mouth. So if you do this, if you return, if you separate the precious from the bio, you shall be as my mouth. Let them return to you, but you must not return to them. Man, can you imagine the pressure that Jeremiah must have been under? Day and night. You know, he's pretty much alone in his prophetic Ministry. He's pretty much alone. So it's like one man against a million. It's like one voice against thousands of other voices. And all the other voices are saying the same thing. Stop it. Shut up. Don't say that. We're going to kill you if you do that. You need to come back over, you traitor. You need to join with us. And this is relentlessly being poured out upon Jeremiah but the Lord says to him that you must not return to them. Let them return to you. So you see, like I said earlier, the Lord is saying to Jeremiah, toughen up. But remember back in the very first chapter when he calls Jeremiah, he says, I'm going to make you like this bronze wall. In other words, I'm going to make you impenetrable to the efforts of these wicked people. And so here the Lord renews that. He says, and I will make you to this people a fortified bronze wall. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you for I am with you to save you. And I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. I will deliver you from the hand of the wicked and I will redeem you from the grip of the terrible. And again, for Jeremiah, this is all, you know, this is like real, real life stuff. This is not theoretical. This is not us studying the life of Jeremiah. This is him living this. And I had read Jeremiah recently before we started to study it. And I've read Jeremiah many times over the years, and I've taught it many times over the years. But I, when I was reading it this past time, I just thought, I don't know if I'm more sensitive. Right? I don't know why it struck me this time like it probably never has before, the unbelievable suffering that Jeremiah endured. 
He just, he suffered through his prophetic ministry. He suffered physically. He suffered emotionally. We see he suffered spiritually. And, you know, people have, as we said in the beginning, we talked about Jeremiah being referred to as the weeping prophet. And oftentimes when people want to encourage people who are struggling in ministry or maybe not having a whole lot of success, you know, maybe uh, somebody who says, you know, hardly anybody's come to faith under my ministry. Maybe I pastor a church and my church has never really grown. You know what a lot of pastors will say to encourage the other guy? They'll say, hey, you got a Jeremiah ministry, man. Don't worry about it, (laughs) which means Jeremiah spent his whole prophetic life being rejected and never seen any success. Nobody turns. Nobody ever, you know, repents. And my goodness, I mean, to think of what that would have been like. And the further we go, again, we're going to see that he gets into some really, really treacherous things, some dangerous situations, some deadly situations. And yet, as the Lord promised, he delivered Jeremiah from them all. So I hope this has in some way encouraged you. But remember that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. And Jeremiah, like I said earlier, Jeremiah was, in, in, you know, he was in, in, a, in a sense, he was a type of Christ. He suffered for the people of God. And just like Jesus did, he suffered for us that we might not have to suffer that ultimate kind of suffering, that separation from the Lord. And he's brought us into that wonderful relationship. And we have that same kind of candid, we can have that same candid openness with the Lord. We can speak our hearts to him. We can tell him how we feel. We can cry out. We can even complain. We can even say, I don't get it. And we can know that as as we come boldly to the throne of grace, we're not going to find a judgment, but we're going to find mercy and grace to help us in time of need. And occasionally we might get a rebuke. We might get, hey, toughen up. You know, you need to quit whining. You need to, whatever the case might be. But remember that just as the Lord was with Jeremiah, the Lord is with us as well. And also, as we live in these days where we see signs of of judgment around us and we speak up and we talk about the Lord and we tell people they need to turn to Jesus and people don't want to hear that and we get pushed back Just remember that it's happened before. It's happened to others before us. And like Jesus reminded us, he said, blessed are you when men revile, when they persecute you, when they say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's what happened with Jeremiah. For the month of September, 
Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, Forgive, Why Should I and How Can I by Timothy Keller. With so much social, cultural, and relational unrest, all of us need to forgive or be forgiven in either small or significant ways. Have you ever found it difficult to forgive someone for a wrong they committed against you? What if that person never apologized? How can you forgive someone who hasn't even acknowledged they have done something wrong? In his book, Forgive, Timothy Keller lays out the path of forgiveness that leads to reconciliation rather than the path of unforgiveness that can lead towards retaliation. You'll learn about the power of forgiveness that can bring freedom both to the one who forgives and the one who has been forgiven. We are living in a time where forgiveness is desperately needed. If you're struggling with forgiveness or even guilt, then you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book Forgive, Why Should I and How Can I by Timothy Keller is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we continue our series with the book of Jeremiah. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.